Strategies for Success, a step-by-step guide to the Annual Infection Control Risk Assessment, a conversation with Jennifer Brown. This webinar included a visual PowerPoint presentation. To view a video recording, visit the link in the description of this podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our series of webinars focused on bringing you information about COVID-19-related topics. The information in these weekly webinars is geared toward long-term care and skilled nursing facilities, but we encourage everyone who's interested to attend. My name is Kathy Caudill. I'm a communication specialist with Quality Insights. Today's webinar is Strategies for Success, a step-by-step guide to the annual infection control risk assessment. And now I'd like to introduce our guest today, Jennifer Brown. Jennifer is a quality improvement specialist and infection preventionist at Quality Insights. She is a registered nurse with over 10 years of experience in a variety of healthcare settings, most recently as director of staff development and infection prevention in long-term care. She has also led several quality improvement and infection control initiatives in acute and ambulatory settings. Jennifer? Thank you for having me today. Um, Today, we're going to talk about the annual infection control risk assessment. Happy New Year, everyone. We are um, gearing up for another great year in infection control. So as we know, there are a lot of different aspects of the infection control program. Infection control is at the heart and safety of a safe and effective healthcare environment. And we'll explore the purpose of the annual risk assessment and its pivotal role in maintaining health and safety standards. By the end of this webinar, you'll be equipped with the knowledge to conduct a comprehensive assessment of your own healthcare setting. So first we'll talk about the components of an effective infection control program. Uh, Number one is having an infection preventionist and a multidisciplinary team to oversee the program. Uh, Next is the completion of your annual risk assessment and your infection control plan. Uh, The uh, annual risk assessment is the driving force behind the infection control plan and will help guide your efforts for the coming year. Uh, During the year, we wanna make sure that we have an effective surveillance program, including a system for obtaining and managing and reporting data, and also the use of this surveillance findings in your QAPI process. At the end of the year, you know, it's always best to take a look at how things went the previous year, and that'll help guide your annual risk assessment for the next year. So what exactly is an infection control risk assessment? Uh, To better understand the risk assessment process, let's talk about some of the common risks found in healthcare settings. Um, you will use real world examples to illustrate potential challenges and solutions. So the infection control risk assessment is a living document within your infection control program that is tailored to your facility. It's updated annually or whenever there's a significant change. And examples of significant changes include a change of building ownership, an addition of a service line, or any changes in staffing or turnover. So why do we perform an annual risk assessment? The risk assessment helps us focus our activities on essential tasks to reduce critical infection control risks. 
These risks might be associated with local, state, or federal laws, environmental factors, like if you're up in the mountains, you know, are there weather considerations? Uh, is there flooding nearby? Things like that. Um, look at your policies and procedures, um, medication and vaccine availability, um, if there's any high-risk resident populations served at your facility, or high-risk procedures or services, like maybe hemodialysis within the facility, that may cause a risk in infection control. So the risk assessment process is defined as a careful, proactive examination of events that can cause infections, harm, or even death to residents, staff, families, or visitors. All of the risks are assessed with input from the multidisciplinary team, and prioritized risks are used to develop objective for the coming year's infection control plan. Now let's break down the risk assessment process into manageable steps. It may seem a little overwhelming at first, but we'll take a look at each step from gathering your team to utilizing your results because each stage plays a vital role in creating a comprehensive risk profile for your healthcare environment. So step one, we're gonna gather our team. The risk assessment process is not something that should be done alone. Having input from different perspectives is helpful when completing the risk assessment process. Using an interdisciplinary team provides insights from different departments of your facility to help determine goals and objectives for the coming year. Each team will look a little bit different depending on the specific risks identified by your facility. Usually the IP leads the team, but that's not always the case but the team should always include key stakeholders from your facility to collaborate on the risk assessment. Next thing you wanna do is develop a method of you know, performing your risk assessment. Decide what type of tool you wanna use. We have the quantitative method, which uses numbers to rate the risk events, and qualitative method, which uses written descriptions of the risk events to identify any potential harms. For today's discussion, we'll utilize the quantitative risk assessment. Uh, while performing the assessment, there are no right or wrong answers. Um, it's really to bring light the specific risks that you know are in your facility and you know prioritize how you're going to address those risks. Um, when doing the risk assessment, make sure you allow appropriate time for the team to gather data as they may need to pull information from medical records or other departments, uh, collaborate the, with them in order to get a, you know, um, realistic um, ranking for each risk. So this is the form that we're going to be utilizing today. Um, this is the form that a lot of people are familiar with from the CDC. Um, and that's um, the one we're going to, it's readily available. There's tons of different um, templates out there, uh, but this one I think was just the most readily available one. So we're going to move on to step three, which is establishing our priorities. 
remember, each organization's priorities will be different. Um, you take into consideration internal risks, which are things within the facility, and also external risks, which are things that are going on outside in the community. Like I said, if there's any weather, traffic patterns, anything outside of your building that might impact, you know, the things that go on uh, within the facility. Um, you're going to take a look at infections that are occurring in your facility. Um, if there's, um, you know, you know, every year you get a neurobiotics outbreak or, you know, something that is, you know, consistently on your radar, make sure to include that um, in your risk assessment. Um, you're going to take into consideration the resident population served and any risks that might be associated with that population and also risks associated with the care and services you provide. So, you know, um, if you do a lot of wound care, IV therapy, trach care, you know, make sure that's included. And also um, during your surveillance and monitoring, um, if there's any issues with adherence to your infection control policies and procedures, make sure to include those as well. Um, just some tips and reminders when, you know, compiling your list of risks. Uh, make sure to include both actual and potential risks in your assessment, and also include data from infection control rounds and other observations. If you want to include something, but the data is not available from your facility's um, records, uh, consider implementing some uh, community data into your assessment or data from literature um, as potential risks. And also identify potential risks from current global threats. If there's, you know, a novel virus or something that's going around, uh, make sure to include that as well. Next step is performing the assessment. Uh, so like I said, we are utilizing the CDC form. Uh, the first row of the form is your infection events. So these are the events that you have um, you know, identify for your facility. Um, these are the pre-populated ones, but this is all customizable based on your facility. So if there's something that you just really don't think is a risk, do something you don't even do, you can take that off. And then there's a spot for other where you can, you know, add some additional risks that you'd like to analyze for this assessment. The next uh, column is for probability of occurrence. And it's, you know, like I said, how likely is this going to occur? And some things you can base this on is prior occurrence within the facility, how frequent you see it in your facility, um, and also vaccine acceptance. You know, if you have a very low vaccine rate, um, you know, that might impact how probable certain infections will occur. The next column is level of harm from the event what would be the most likely? So if there's prior morbidity or hospital transfers out, how, you know, did a whole lot of people transfer out? Uh, were the symptoms mild due to your processes being strong? If you have process of early detection, uh, your vaccination rates are high, um, you know, that would impact the level of harm. Also, prior mortality, has there been a high mortality rate for this issue in the past? 
um, and other risk factors. There are a high number of immunocompromised residents at your facility. There's a high number of residents with risk factors that might complicate the issue. The next column is the impact on care. And for this, you know, we want to look at the need for new treatments. We do have the medications in stock um, to care for residents uh, who might develop a particular infection? Or will you have to offer any additional treatments? And if so, what impact will that have on staff? Do you have the staff to offer these additional treatments? Um, we look at the changes in level of care or support and also restrictions to facility access for staff, resident, or visiting. We have to close down a unit. If this happens, um, will you have to stop visitation if this happens? We have to stop admissions. These are all things you want to look at. And the last score uh, column is readiness to prevent. How ready as your facility to handle any of the risks that you've identified? Do you have good processes in place for surveillance? Are your policies and procedures for that issue strong? Um, do you have um, a performance monitor set up for it? Um, your staff vaccination rates? Do you have good adherence to sick leave policies? Um, are there any issues with presenteeism? You know, if uh, someone has a illness, are they going to tell you or are they going to come in and, you know, just kind of, you know, you know, move things along so they don't have to miss work. And also when looking at that um, adherence to masking and hand hygiene. This form has a second tab on it, it is also um, a part of your risk assessment. And this one focuses more on um, infection control practice failures. So um, the scoring for that is very similar, it has a probability of occurrence, uh, impact on um, resident or staff safety, capacity to detect, and readiness to prevent. So the last column is your risk level. So you wanna tally up your score. Um, sorry if, we, if this comes up a little small, but you're gonna assign a level to each of those columns that we just mentioned. So our probability of occurrence, um, how likely is it to occur? Is it a high risk, medium, or low, or none at all? Um, level of harm from the event, you're gonna provide a numerical value, um, serious harm, moderate harm, temporary harm, or no harm um, if one of these risks happen, and impact on care, you're going to assign a, a numerical value for that as well, and readiness to prevent. And when you add that all up, you'll get your risk level. Risks that have been identified as eight or more are, you know, considered a high priority and should be on your list for your infection control plan to address. Once you're done with ranking your um, uh, risk assessment, you're gonna develop your infection control plan. Your multidisciplinary team compiles a list of high scoring risks and develop a plan for risk reduction. Once that's completed, 
Um, make sure you share the results with leadership and frontline staff so that it can carry throughout the year um, and improving those risks that you have identified as high risk. Jennifer, thank you for joining us again this week. And I'd like to thank all of you for joining us today. Hope to see you back here again soon. If you would like to contact Jennifer Brown, you can email her at jbrown at qualityinsights.org. You can check out our other interviews at qualityinsights.org slash QIN slash multimedia.